It is Wednesday, November 1st, and this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On this week's show, we have an election special for you in advance of next week. First, we talk with the Democratic Party Chair Tina Podlodowski, and then we speak again with Democratic candidate for the state Senate in the 45th Legislative District, Monka Dingra, about the lies and distortion being spread by her Republican opponent. All that, and we have our call to action, plus our weekly dose of good news. Kicking off our special election show, we are very happy to welcome back the chair of the Washington State Democrats, Tina Podlodowski. Tina, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. It is an incredibly busy time these days leading up to the election. I'm sure everybody feeling energized on your end. I think so. I think we're seeing a tremendous uh, outpouring of grassroots Democrats, independents, folks who are parts of groups like Indivisible and Our Revolution all wanting to do something via these local elections to fight the Trump agenda. And frankly, I think it's going to see some great candidates win as a result. Well, let's talk about some of those races. Um, I kind of want to bring up something first that was brought to my attention. The percentage of ballots returned statewide is so far around 10 percent. That seems low. But is that average for this point in an off-year election in your experience? Um, It's just it's just where the trending has been, but it's also on the low side for an off-year election. Keep in mind, in Washington state, we do have more special legislative district elections this year than any other state in the country. But I think what we've seen trending uh, under the current secretary of state uh, really over the last uh, four years or so is that election turnout has been going down. It's something that needs to get addressed, not just at the statewide level, but at the countywide level with all the various county auditors. And um, it's something that I think will be interesting to see in the 45th district legislative race, that particular special being one where I suspect it will outperform uh, any other off-year elections that, than we've ever seen in that district. Well, I wanted to jump right into that. And by the way, I bring that up uh, as a way to potentially motivate people listening, uh, not just to vote <laughs> themselves, but also but also to get involved. And I, I want to talk about ways to do that with you in, in just a minute. But uh, you bring up the race in the 45th. Uh, most people already know the stakes uh, there. This is the race between Democrat Monica Dingra, who we'll be talking to in the second half of the show, and Republican Jin Young Lee England for a vacated Senate seat. Just very quickly, remind us again, what a win here for the Democrats would mean. Well, I think it's a win for Washingtonians. Um, It flips the state Senate blue, and it gives us an opportunity to do a variety of different things. One is sort of fix education funding and get to a point where we're not just so dependent upon property taxes and also fully fund education. It allows us to do things like pass same-day voter registration and the Washington State Voting Rights Act. It allows us to address a whole set of issues that the Republican-dominated Senate did not do in the last session, including passing the capital budget. $4 billion worth of projects are uh, on hold because the Republicans did not pass that budget. And it's everything from $15 million in fire suppression efforts uh, to stop wildfires to millions and millions of dollars for building new schools and everything in between. So a lot's at stake in this particular race. And it also creates a bulwark, ultimately, against the Republicans from being able to get enough state houses to call a constitutional Congress. And that could be very, very disastrous with consequences Absolutely. for generations to come. So, Absolutely. Yeah. We would be the seventh um, state in the country to have a Democratic governor, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate. 
And so uh, we would join Oregon and California to create what we're calling the big blue wall here mm. on the West Coast, the best kind of wall to build, the only kind of wall to build <laughs> to go up against that Trump agenda. You know, the Seattle Times reported last week that former Vice President Joe Biden officially endorsed Monka Dingra. How did that come about? Well, I think uh, that Vice President Biden is really interested in the sorts of races that make a dramatic difference in what's happening in the political community, as well as ones that are inspirational. And again, if you look at all of the grassroots support that Monka has received, not just from the 45th district, from around the state, and we've seen that grassroots energy happen in the 31st district race and the 7th district races too, I think no. it's something that's caught national attention. This is the only race in the entire country that can flip a chamber in a state legislature. So everyone's watching. The DNC is watching. The RNC is watching, too. But everyone's eyes are on Washington State when it comes to state legislative races. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the DNC and on the Washington Dems website, there is a video of Tom Perez, among others, uh, encouraging people to vote. So uh, Tom Perez is watching. Yes, Yes, indeed he is, because, uh, you know, Democrats, we've lost far too many legislative seats over the last decade. Now is our opportunity to start winning those back. And in 2018, it's about legislative seats getting ready for redistricting uh, in 2020. Uh, And many states require the Democrats to take back a chamber, either the House or the Senate, to keep the Republicans from gerrymandering for another decade. So, yeah, these races are very important. Got to get it done before the census comes up. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned the races in the 31st and the 7th. Uh, I will say that the the race in the 31st is between Democrat Michelle Rylands running against Phil Fortunato. And in the 7th, uh, that's in the northeast corner of the state. Uh, we have Democrat Karen Hardy and Republican Kelly Short. How are things shaping up in both of those races? You know, they're shaping up very well in both of those races. You know, but the, both of those districts are entrenched Republican districts. The 31st is one that uh, Pam Roach had uh, represented for a number of years. And the 7th district has been so Republican uh, that uh, for the last 11 years, Democrats hadn't even bothered to run a candidate there. Right. But we are a new Democratic Party here in Washington state. And we believe in running in every race and every place with quality candidates and moving the needle. So this race in the 31st is super tight. It's a race where um, if folks are interested in helping us out, we've got a lot of opportunities to do so. Um, Michelle has also committed, if she doesn't make it through in this race this year, that she'll run against Fortunato again next year, and we're excited about that. She's a terrific candidate, a mom, a 911 dispatcher, uh, a veteran, uh, somebody who's passed school bond issues, and in fact, brings more experience to the table than many Republicans who have run for office. Uh, in in recent history around this. And she's just a terrific candidate. And once you meet her, her enthusiasm is infectious. I will just point listeners to the interview that we did with her. If you want to know more about her, Uh, she is just terrific and a candidate absolutely worth getting behind if you happen to live in the 31st. Uh, I also want to talk briefly about the Burien City Council race. Uh, This made headlines for a couple of reasons. Uh, First, back in August, a former Republican congressional candidate named Craig Keller went to a city council meeting to deliver a petition aimed at overturning Burien's so-called sanctuary city status. And that meeting wound up being quite contentious. And then in October... A group called Respect Washington published the names and addresses of undocumented immigrants who have allegedly committed a crime. This in an apparent effort to scare residents there into voting for Republicans for their city council. What has the state Democrats party response been to this? So we've worked very effectively, I think, with the local campaigns on the ground, as well as in partnership 
with King County Executive Dow Constantine, who's really led the charge in denouncing this hateful and heinous behavior. I think um, we are working very hard to get these four individuals, known as the Burian Four, elected into these city council seats. They are infinitely well qualified. But just the, the hatred, the anti-immigrant um, atmosphere, the fact that someone would send out letters to various folks in Burien naming people who are supposedly undocumented with this tint towards uh, doing these individuals harm, it, I, I can't even fathom that this still happens in this day and age in our country, but obviously it does and is emboldened by the agenda of Trump and how he speaks about immigrants and what he's done uh, in terms of dreamers and, and so many other folks. So really, we are up against a wall of hate, and we have a tremendous opportunity in Burien to elect four terrific folks to the city council and make a change there. Well, there you go. So let's elect the Burien Four. If you are listening from Burien, you you know what to do. Uh, and also turn in your ballot while, while you're while you're listening. Right. Take, take this moment to do that. Um, uh, just one last question. On the national front, the Republicans tax plan was uh, supposed to be announced today, Wednesday, but now it's looking like they're going to push it to Thursday. We'll see. What is the game plan here in the state for making sure that this does not become law? Uh, there seem to be some natural fault lines emerging among House Republicans uh, uh, over things like the SALT deduction, 401 case. Are there things that those of us with Republican House members can do to try to, say, exploit those fault lines? Yes, absolutely. I think all of these things require you calling uh, your Republican representative, whether it's uh, Dave Reichert uh, or Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's certainly one of the architects and cheerleaders for this plan, Jamie Guerrero-Butler or Dan Newhouse, to say how much you disagree with it. I mean, the reality is this does not give a uh, it gives tax breaks to the top uh, wealthy in another failed attempt at trickle down. And we know that trickle down is trickle don't. Uh, what is it? Just, <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> you know, it just ruins our economy and destroys our middle class. So ultimately, this is not a tax cut for anyone uh, who works for a living. It is a tax giveaway to the top 1% again and again and again. And that's just Trump and his cronies. And it's particularly heinous when you have people like Dave Reichert, who could take a stand now that he says he's not running for office again, right. or a Kathy McMorris-Rogers in leadership, you know, hawking this as, as something that's good for Washington. When it's not good for Washington, it's not good for America, and it's certainly not good for anybody who works for a living. It certainly wasn't good for Kansas in the most recent example with Sam Brownback in, in his leadership. Uh, it had disastrous effects there. Uh, if anybody's interested, I'll put a link on the site uh, exactly. to some information about that. Uh, besides voting, what can people do in this last push before the election? I understand that there is a need for phone banking, among you other bet. things. You bet. So folks can go to our website, which is um, wa-democrats.org, and there's click on the diamond on the front page that says find an event near you. And we have a ton of upcoming volunteer opportunities for both canvassing, phone banking, as well as texting as well. We have a terrific texting program for getting out the vote. But I want to highlight a couple of opportunities. We've got um, a GOTV get out the vote phone bank at our Washington Dems headquarters uh, tonight from 530 to 830. That's specifically for the 7th Legislative District. We've got one tomorrow night uh, on November 2nd from the uh, same time, 530 to 830 for the 31st district. And then this weekend, you'll see a list of canvases around the state, particularly focusing in on local races. So whether that's Yakima, Spokane, Maple Valley, Pasco, Leavenworth, and Burien, um, you can do that. Plus, 
I want to give a special plug for our next uh, organizing academy. It's the Flip the Eighth Congressional District Organizing Academy. That's going to happen in Sammamish on November 11th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if you want to be an activist that does the work to get a Democrat in that seat, not Dino Rossi, uh, in Dave Reichert's old seat in the 8th uh, Congressional District, this is the opportunity for you to make that happen. But go to our uh, website, again, wa-democrats.org, and click on the diamond that says find an event near you. Or you can go to our website, um, uh, go to that website, or go to like our Facebook page. We'll have updated events there. Or also follow us on Twitter. It's another opportunity to see all of these events. I don't think that anyone here at the Washington State Democrats is actually going to sleep for the next six days. They're <laughs> going to be calling or canvassing or texting or emailing, and there's a ton of opportunities to do that. Come join some amazing grassroots folks. Not only will you be doing something great for a terrific candidate, you're going to meet some great new friends, too, people that you can work with over the next year to really make a difference in Washington State. Well, there you go. And I will make sure that the links to all of the things that Tina just talked about will be provided on the website and on the SoundCloud page. We are all keeping a great thought for Tuesday. Um, if you're not going to sleep, at least take your vitamins. Tina Podlodowski, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you do and for all the amazing listeners of this podcast. I know you all make a tremendous difference. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of us really resisting the Trump agenda. Thank you, Tina. Maka Dinkra joins us again on the show. She is the Democratic candidate for state Senate in the 45th Legislative District. Maka Dinkra, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course. So this race has been the most expensive state Senate race in the history of the state. Uh, It has also been one of the most scrutinized, which I'm sure you were expecting. But one of the things that you may not have been expecting was the level of distortion and outright lies that the camp of your opponent, uh, Republican Jin Young Lee England, has been spreading about you. Uh, I know you've circulated flyers, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity on the show to set the record straight. So first, I want to start with the two ads that attempt to paint you as, quote unquote, soft on crime uh, that allege, first one alleges that while you were working as a prosecutor for King County, you recommended minimum sentencing of a violent drug offender who wanted to commit murder. But you didn't actually negotiate this deal, right? That is correct. And, you know, my favorite quote is from my Republican boss, Dan Satterberg. Basically, he says, it's all lies. And I don't think you can say it better than that. And um, this was a the cases they're talking about are actually cases that I was in court handling the plea and sentencing on. But these are not cases that I negotiated. And frankly, even... um, saying that the guy was violent at that time is inaccurate because at that point in time, the person did not have a history of violence. So they're, frankly, they're just making stuff up. And that is what's concerning because how do you counter outright lies? Uh, So another charge that has been leveled against you is that you have a, an extreme pro-drug agenda. That's a quote uh, from one of the ads. This is a distortion of your message on so-called safe injection sites, I'm guessing. So for the record, what is your stance there? You know, the actual word for these uh, sites are actually community health engagement locations, shells. And so anytime, especially using the word safe heroin sites, it's just a way to politicize the very real opioid epidemic we have in our country. My comment on the opioid 
epidemic that they are taking out of context is when I was asked about it, I said, we have two options. We can address it in the criminal justice arena or we can address it in the public health arena. Those are the options that are available to us as a state and as a community. Our jails and prisons are full and locking up drug addicts is not the appropriate way to handle addiction problems. This is a public health issue and public health needs to take the lead. They need to work with the community and they need to figure out uh, the best way to provide treatment, to provide resources and prevent deaths. And the bottom line is none of these sites are coming to the east side. There's one place in Seattle that is interested in having them and public health is working with them. And so that is what has been taken completely out of context. And they're running the scare tactic on how basically I'm going to be injecting people with needles. I mean, they <laughs> literally have needles with liquid dripping out of the ends and a photo of me there. So the, the connection that they're trying to establish is clear. And of course, your, your message is far more nuanced on that. I, I think it's also important for people to know who's paying for these ads. So who is it who is paying for these ads? You know, this is really interesting because there are a few PACs that are involved. Um, and so we've seen some of these ads come from the PACs. We have seen a negative act paid directly by the Washington Republican Party, and that's the one that is really setting up Seattle as the enemy and the east side as someone that doesn't want Seattle. Well, you're talking about the fairly laughable ad that tries to tar you as a quote-unquote Seattle liberal. Uh, that's the one that features a young actress who uh, wears buttons with a hammer and sickle and a button that says raise taxes. Uh, and she's wearing one of your campaign t-shirts. So, yeah. Correct. That's the one. <laughs> and, you know, it is laughable and funny. But, you know, when you really think about it, what it really is doing is setting up this divide between people, right. dividing the east side and Seattle. And to me, my campaign has always been about strengthening communities, bringing us together. And so while it's laughable, it's the subtlety of, again, dividing people that I'm concerned about. And frankly, what's been really, um, I think, bad in this campaign is that my opponent herself has gone negative. So her campaign itself is also pushing the Seattle liberal. They're also pushing the the drug uh, heroin sites. And she personally has actually attacked API Chaya, the nonprofit that I helped found. And that to me is highly problematic because nonprofits are not political. They serve everyone in the community. And this is an organization that helps survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking. And on her website, she um, referenced a fact check. And the documents in there have nothing to do with her allegation that I was actually getting paid and I was paying my friends. I was never paid by the nonprofit. And the documents she has are from a few years ago. And it's been very clear that I left the board eight years after founding the organization when I had my children. So the fact that she herself is resorting to outright lies, to me, that is also problematic. You know, you've been out talking to voters quite frequently at this point, I can imagine, as you're in the home stretch of the campaign. What are voters saying about this disinformation and in particular the, the ads that have been run against you? You know, a lot of people aren't paying attention to them. Um, you know, they tell me they see them, but they don't believe any of them anyway. And so I really don't think they're landing. Uh, I also think 
the fact that this district is one of the highest educated district in the state helps because people actually look things up. And the mm. minute they look into it, they realize it's not true. Especially, um, you know, they're attacking me as a prosecutor. I've been a prosecutor for 17 years, not three, not five, 17. And I'm a senior prosecutor at that. And I run my own unit. These are not things that people who are not good at their job get to do. So I think for a lot of this, you know, my resume really does speak for itself. And I think people are picking up on that. One last thing that has been leveled at you is that you support a state income tax. Can you set the record straight for us on that? Sure. There, you know, we actually cannot have a state income tax in the state of Washington. That is simply not possible. And this is something that I think is just a cookie cutter thing the Republicans run every single time against every Democrat. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are just frankly tired of hearing it year after year after year. But we cannot have a state income tax in the state of Washington unless 60% of the voters vote on it. So we don't want to jinx you in any way, but I will say that there are several polls uh, showing you with a widening lead in the race. So I'll just leave it there. But I want to wish you the best of luck on Tuesday. And Monka Dingra, thank you so much for joining us again on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And we will end today on this week's call to action, which, spoiler alert, is to vote. But let's first have our dose of good news, shall we? Now, I am not one given to superstition, but maybe some of you listening are, so I will try two phrases properly. It is an extremely good sign that special prosecutor Robert Mueller has filed his first formal indictments in the Trump-Russia scandal. As we know, a lot can happen, and Trump and his ship of extraordinarily corrupt cronies and his family members may do any number of things to try to slither out of this. But the fact that charges are now filed and arrests have officially been made is a positive indication for a number of reasons. First, it means that Robert Mueller is not fooling around. He is taking real action here, and he is coming out swinging, especially in his indictment of Paul Manafort, one of Trump's biggest confidants during his campaign, despite what his lawyers and Sarah Huckabee Sanders have to say on the matter. Also, it sends a very clear signal to other people who are in his crosshairs, people like like Michael Flynn and even his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, that Mueller is not afraid to indict. And it also says to anyone investigators may be currently talking to that Mueller and his team will throw the book at you if you lie. So all good signs, in my humble opinion. And I'll just leave it at that. In the matter of unqualified good news, we can turn to a ruling by a district court judge in D.C. blocking Trump's ban on transgender members of the military. U.S. Judge Colleen Kalar-Catelli was unequivocal in her language on the matter, too, saying, among other things, that the ban violates the Fifth Amendment rights of transgender soldiers and, quote, the decision to exclude transgender individuals was not driven by a genuine concern regarding military efficacy. Well, turns out you can't govern by tweets. How about that? Also, with over 70 percent of Puerto Rico still without power, the governor there moved to cancel the whitefish contract. You know, the tiny, wholly unqualified company that got a sweetheart deal, which was in no way connected to the fact that Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke is from the same Montana town as the company. And hey, 
Turns out the FBI would like to look into that, too. And so they are. Okay. Oh, and that was all just on Monday, by the way. Did you guys get any work done on Monday? I sure as hell didn't. And, uh, oh, one last thing. The Republicans have had to delay the release of their tax plan because, as one can imagine, it's a pretty neat trick to try to pay for what is now looking like an upwards of a $2.4 trillion plan with an allotment of only $1.5 trillion. Look, we're going to get to the call to action in just a moment, I promise. But this is actually pretty interesting. So it turns out that the Republicans have to trim things down to the aforementioned $1.5 trillion because that is what the Senate passed for reconciliation. That's the process in which they only need a 50-vote majority instead of the 60 votes. If they pass their package without reconciling this by the end of the year, which Trump and Ryan, as we know, are really pushing for, because of something called statutory paygo, automatic cuts to non-discretionary programs would just kick in. We would see a $28 billion Medicare reduction next year alone. Also, farm subsidies be completely gone. One would imagine that that would be a pretty unpopular thing for the GOP in 2018, an election year, I might add. Oh, and to override all this, they would need 60 votes, which would include Democrats. Well, ultimately, I think it's safe to say that it would not include Democrats. So just so much winning. So much winning. Am I jinxing things? Okay, I'll stop. But it's really nice to have some genuinely good news for a change, isn't it? Now, for this week's call to action, and I transmitted this at the top of the segment, and that call to action is to vote. I know some of you listening have probably already voted, so I would just say that as somebody who has previously lived in states where you had to actually show up to the polls, the act of voting here in Washington is actually incredibly easy. Now, I know that getting yourself up on all the initiatives and candidates may be a little challenging. There are a number of places that offer voting guides and endorsements to help you along. I will not put my thumb on the scale by recommending any specific ones, but I will recommend that you do this. Go to Google, or your favorite search engine, but (laughs) who are we kidding, Uh, and enter Washington Election Endorsements November 2017. Again, that's Washington Election Endorsements November 2017. That will produce a list of the numerous organizations and newspapers in the state who have made endorsements. So pick a couple you like and just see what they have to say. And finally, if you do have the time, please check out the Washington Democrat site for volunteer opportunities. Phone banking, canvassing, e-canvassing, texting, it all makes a difference. And as I mentioned, I will have links to all of that on the SoundCloud page and the site. So let's turn in those ballots and maybe even do a little something to get others to do the same. And that is this week's Call to Action. And that is also it for this week's show. As always, you can get more information about the show by heading over to indivisiblepodcast.org. And why not subscribe while you're there? That'd be cool. The email for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at indivisiblepod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. The executive producer is Aaron Albanese. Thank you again to my guests, Monka Dingra and Tina Podlodowski. Special thanks to Ansley Lasidis. And thanks, as always, to you for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.